Mr. Pop. This is offensive. 15 ways to breakfast. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Welcome everybody to Rock and Roll, the podcast. Uh, the podcast that you're, uh, we should sort of do a warning just to let people know what they're in for when they listen to this podcast because uh, it might be the first time and they might be used to occasional use of coarse language and there's occasional use of normal words that you would hear in an everyday conversation. Not often, but occasionally we do have some of that. Um, there's no nudity in this program whatsoever. Not even strong well, nudity. I need someone to explain to me when they do those things on television, what's the difference between nudity and strong nudity. Ponder that for a second. And there's no adult themes in this because between the three of us, seriously, uh, we're lucky we got out of puberty. Uh, my name's Kevin Hillier. With me as always, our rock star and resident, residence, Brian Mannix. Oh, get f***ed, everybody. A f***ing language. I'm f***ing not happy. Right. But anyway, what I meant to say was, hey, everybody, hope you're having a great day and uh, great to be here, Kev, with you and Finey and... Um, you know, this is going to be a ripper show, I'm sure. Right. And, of course, the third member of the party is stoned like a stunned mullet just at the moment, like we all probably are. Mark Fine. Hello uh, from, uh, from from Lenny's Fine Foods in Balaclava. Maybe you don't want your name associated with this program. Hello, Finey. G'day. How are you? We're the, we're the podcast with the odd cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The odd cast. Very good. Very good indeed. How's your week been, Finey? Because you've been in ISO, you've been uh, locked up. You've uh, 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 are, you, are you free? Are you out? Are you are you well? I'm out. I'm, you know what? It, so it was sort of at the beginning a, a bit of a bad dose of the flu, a couple of days of the flu. Nothing, you know, just the bad, but not dramatic. Yeah. And then two or three days of a runny nose, which was childlike but annoying. And then, as I often I haven't. I don't get sick very often, honestly. But any time I've had the flu, and I would have said five times in the last twenty years, straight after I have the flu, I feel absolutely ripping, ripping well. So I feel great. Oh, good. But my body's fought it off, and antibodies are up, and you know, happy to be back out amongst in circulation. Very good. And the business is going well. Yeah, very well. A little too well in my absence, you know. I thought <laughs> I thought maybe I'd be missed, but not. I didn't miss a beat. All right, that's good. Now, Brian, you were in Adelaide on the weekend. You did some gigs, so uh, catch us up on uh, on the news of uh, of how they went. Because from what I could see from some posts, I uh, was sent on uh, on social media. They went very well. Well, Kev, I don't know how I'm feeling because nobody's been feeling me, so that's disappointing. <laughs> However. Um, no, the gigs did go well, but, oh, crikey, you know, Adelaide to Melbourne to Queensland and now to Brisbane and, you know, I've been there, caught up with all my well, Stewart, and then we went over to Jamaica and we caught up with Elton John and I feel like Molly Meldrum. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit hectic and I've still got, on oh, June the 13th is my big day, so um, we're getting close to uh, I have a home again, so... Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, but I'm about at the end of my tether with um, living out of a bag. However, it's roaming, great Brian. To be, it's, I'm roaming? roaming, roaming, Brian. We call you now. Oh, look, I'll tell you what. 
you know, you, you don't realise how much patience you use up when you're living with, you know, a two-year-old. She's lovely, but then you're living and you're playing with idiots and you, <laughs> you know, no, look, I'm being mean. I'm being mean. I've just had a bad day and uh, I've had a hangover today and um, which I don't normally get. I normally sleep through them and, um yeah, just a little bit tired, a little bit grumpy yeah. tonight. Yeah. So um, you should have, you know, what you should have, you should have the the kind of like the uh, the Monty Python minstrel kind of thing around your neck, and you should just be going from table to table, from venue to venue, from house to house, spreading the cheer and the love of the Brian Mannixisms to the rest of the world. I prefer to go and spread COVID from table to table at the Jeez. moment, but um, Frankie bastard. Oh, look, you know, people never fail to disappoint me and um, today's been a great example of that, um, which is a sign that I'm overtired and grumpy, so please don't take anything I say tonight seriously. Okay. Right, we'll put that down over here and we'll get to that. Now, we're going to get to our chart this week, which is, uh, Brian, one that is very near and dear to your heart, I know, the 7th of June, 1985. I haven't even looked at it, Kev. Oh, you lying hound. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody well sent it to me. Even, haven't even looked at it. <laughs> you bloody well um, sent it to me, Mannix. Well, Tony Fossey sent it to me. He said, this might be a good chart. And I had a look and I went, oh, yeah, I'll send this off to Kev and see what he thinks. Great keyboard player is Tony Fossey. He is a great keyboard player. He's a lovely bloke too. He is. He's a wonderful keyboard player. In fact, he was my keyboard player, Ryan. Well, when you were singing? When I sang at the Williamstown, whatever pub it was, when we sang with the Fox Morning Crew players back in, uh, in the late 1980s, uh, Tony was my musical oh, – well, he wasn't musical director. He was a, he was the keyboard player. He's a bit of a control freak. He he, he, he want you doing it exactly right. How did you go? What did hey, you sing to? Brian. What? You're talking about me singing. Well, what, what were you singing? <laughs> I, I know Gavin – I know Gavin Wood's a top singer. No, mate. But, I'm, um, I make Gavin Wood look like Frank Sinatra. Seriously, I can't sing. We, we did a parody of a, Let's Do the Time Warp Again, which was a Let's Do the Bob Hawk Again, and I do a reasonable Bob Hawk impersonation, so I did the, the vocals on it, and we got up and did it at a charity gig. So It was, it was great. The world has never seen anything as great as no, that. I, it was truly great. <laughs> Thank you. Fortunately, right. Burning King wasn't there. I would still be being savaged somewhere in a you know near the Bay Marine in the uh, in the old Williamstown pub that we did it in. Uh, now, finally, what's your highlight of the week been? Want to know? Apart from getting out of ISO and being back and you know gainfully employed by yourself, what what was your highlight of the week? Well, I watched the IPL finals, sort of the the whole week of it. Yep, which I like the IPL. Look, it's easily the best twenty twenty competition, and. The one at the what are they the Lucknow something or others? Yeah, or? there's all the new franchises in this with the expansion this okay. time around. One, one of the new ones, one of Lucknow or Gujarat, I think Lucknow. Yep. Um, beat the Rajasthan Royals. I've actually got a team in it. The Royal Challengers of Bangalore because I like Virat Kohli, but they won a game, got knocked out in the prelim. Okay. Fair and square. I watch a little bit um, late at night. Just before I go to bed, I always watch a little bit of it before I go to bed. I'm not I'm not entangled in any particular team, but it, you're right. It's bloody yeah. good to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's very high standard. Like, really, you know, the batting and bowling is – it's the best in the world at yep. that, for that 2020 stuff because they get the best players. So pretty good to watch. Um, I watched the playoffs 
Nottingham Forest, after 23 years, are back in the top flight of English football. That's good. You know, Nottingham Forest, famously under Brian Clough, yes. won back-to-back European, you know, they won the European Cup back-to-back. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's a great story. And a great movie. There's a movie with that, and I can't yeah. remember that really good English actor plays Brian Clough in it, and he's brilliant. Yeah, 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 the great, what's his name, the guy that does all the characters, you know, yeah. the, the, he's the great, he, he he does Frost in Frost Nixon. That's him. That's the one. Um, he's brilliant. Yeah. What's his name? I can't for the life of me think of his name, but he's bloody Tim, brilliant. Tim he's somebody. He's done that um, the the, the two man show that they did during lockdown. Him and his his acting mate David Tennant. David Tennant and yeah. whoever the other bloke is, he's the one who did Brian Clough in yeah, the movie, and he was bloody good. Oh, he's great. Now, if you want, if you want to hear, listen to something hilarious. Oh, gee, I don't I, think I don't think our listeners will appreciate that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> they prefer us to, to just crap on and be boring. And if you're going to come on this show and be entertaining, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This show's just going to the dogs. <laughs> now, oh, I, if be, you must be entertaining, off you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm going to be very vague about this because I can't remember who it is. But there's an English footballer who. At one stage, he's one of the best players in England, and if not the best player in England, and he's he was up for a, a new contract, and clubs came after him. And he many years later, like twenty years later, thirty years later, he's got on radio on, on like their sports station, and he's told the story of how Brian Clough tried to recruit him to Nottingham Forest. So all you can do is you go on Google and just write, I can't remember the name of the player, unfortunately, just write impersonate Brian Clough Sports Radio and it'll come up. It is the most amazing story. Brian Clough was completely insane. I mean, (laughs) mean, this story and this impersonation is so funny. But, you know, it it defies description. Anyhow, so people should look that up. Okay. I watched Nottingham Forest Huddersfield. Now, Nottingham Forest is back up. I know, Brian, you talk about Essendon being robbed and Sydney getting an armchair ride and this, that and the other. If you want to see a team getting robbed, and I mean robbed <laughs> with a gun to their temple, Huddersfield <laughs> were robbed in this game against Nottingham Forest. Okay. They, they had an appeal for a penalty. The referee didn't give the penalty. He gave a yellow card for diving, but they had the VAR. Now... You could show that VAR to a thousand people, and nine hundred ninety-nine people will say that that player got tripped up in the penalty area. But the thousandth person was the guy judging the VAR, and he upheld the yellow card. It was it was mental. I've never seen anything like it. And then ten minutes later, they had another penalty turned down. It was just crazy. It's just like poor old Uddersfield up north, mate. They don't like them very much. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll look out for that. Uh, now, so Nottingham Forest went in and Huddersfield missed out. Yeah, Huddersfield missed out. Okay. That's the team Aaron Moy used to play for. But uh, yeah, Nottingham yeah. Forest after twenty three years, they're back in the top flight. And that, that is, is that is multi 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 millions of dollars to Nottingham Forest, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 And How did Bournemouth so go? Just, what was that? Bournemouth, did they get in? Oh, there's little kids everywhere. I've got look, I'm homeless, so I don't have anywhere to live. And (laughs) you know, I just got a 
I've got to make do where I am. I'm, I'm walking around. Yeah, well, try not, how try not how getting how in a skate park. <laughs> okay, here's the question. Here's it's the just question, playing some Kevin. crack at the skate park and those kids came along. Geez, they're noisy when they get on the crack. How did Bournemouth go and now mute me, Kev? <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth went straight back up, I think. Beauty. That's, Love them. Bournemouth got promoted. Oh, good. There you go. Good. They deserve it. Good they're news. Now, I was talking about this chart from 1985. I'll just do. I'll just do the top ten, and uh, we'll get to it a little later. Number ten, Wide Boy by Nick Kershaw. Number nine, Can't Fight the Feeling, Ario mm. Speedwagon. Number eight, Just a Gigolo, David Ugh. Lee Roth. Number seven, nineteen by Paul Hardcastle. Number six, we close Number our eyes. Nineteen eye. was seven by Paul Hardcastle. Number seven was nineteen by Paul Hardcastle. I may have been dyslexic for a moment there. Number six, we close our eyes. Go west. Number five, Angel by Madonna. Number four, Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. Number three, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Number two, Would I Lie to You by The Eurythmics. And number one. Well, what was number one at this particular time in history, Kev? I'm very keen to hear. The photocopy this has gone, It's I can't quite read it. Is it 50 Years by The Uncanny X-Men? Oh, how about that? I had no idea that this was the chart. <laughs> Total surprise to me. Uh, so I'm number one. Now, let's just have a look at all the people that I'm better than. <laughs> just go down the list. I think we are worlds. We are the worlds in there, about number 22, is it? No, I'm not sure. It, yes, it is number 22. Now, do you know this chart off by heart or something? No, no, that was just a very lucky guess. Fine, throw a number at him and see if he knows what it is. Number 40. 40. What's number 40? Smiley by uh, uh, Ronnie Burns. No, it's close. Things Can Only Get Better by Howard Jones. Not a bad song, actually. Not a bad song. No, Howard, he's not too bad. I like he's not Howard. too bad. I like Howard. Uh, mm. All right, so that's the chart. We'll get to that, the 7th of June, 1985. I, I won't need to ask the question what you were doing. Well, actually, maybe I should ask the question what you were doing around that time. Brian, you might not oh, be able to I, answer it, but well, I'm going to no, ask I'll it. Tell you, I'll tell you what I was doing. You're probably getting up, you're doing your gig, and then you get home at about 3 in the morning at the Cosmo in Bondi, and then um, – you're probably shagging some Sheila till about five and then the guy from Festival Records picks you up at six, takes you to see Donny Sutherland and then you spend the whole day doing interviews and crap and then you go to soundcheck. It, it, look, it, it looks glamorous but as any singer will tell you, the amount of crap that, you know, the interviews that we, the singers have to do, which is great, but it's also quite taxing. So you're working for, for you know, from 6 o'clock in the morning with Donny Sutherland who asks you some inane questions like, so, guys, how's it going? <laughs> well, I'm really freaking tired, Donny, and I've got up here and you're still breathing alcohol over me and you're asking inane questions and really all you want to do is talk about yourself Um <laughs> But that's, yeah. So, who um, thought, you know. who, who actually thought, I know it was Graham Webb who thought of it, but who actually re- thought that it would be a really good idea to have a Saturday morning show, a music show on a Saturday morning, and invite musicians who played the night before to come in and, and do stuff at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning? It oh, just. Look, it was. 
you ask any singer from the 80s, like Scott, <laughs> uh, David Stereo, they'd all just say the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, damn, we had to get up at 6.30 in the morning. You've had two hours sleep and then you go to Donny and then you're doing, you know, whatever interviews you've got to do, um, which, you know, at the time I didn't mind, but, gee, if I had to do it now, I'd be going, nah, nah, forget yep. that. Forget yep. that's too big a schedule for me. You'd do it on Zoom, wouldn't you? You wouldn't bother, you wouldn't bother going, actually going Well, in. look, you wonder why people take drugs. And really, you know, um, the road crews in the 80s, if they didn't take amphetamines, there's no way they would be able to do their job because you pack up at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, and you've got to be in Brisbane the next day from Sydney. And, you know, even for me, it's like, you know, you got to, you can't let people down, but to to work the hours that we worked, you needed to have amphetamines, like truck drivers. It was um, so yeah. I'm not ashamed to say that. You know, we I did a lot of speed in those days. I know it's the, probably the worst drug you can possibly take, um, but you know, sometimes it's a work drug, and sometimes for necessity, you'd have to take. Um, not something you'd look forward to, but just to get the job done, you have to. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, look, I'm being quite serious now. Um, people don't realise, you know, you know, you see the, the singer in the magazine and he's on the TV and he's doing all that. You know, it's probably 12 hours he's done to get that done and then got to go and do a sound check, do a gig and then shag some Sheila after the show and, it's it's taxing, Kev. It's taxing, funny. Yeah, look, I, I, I just want to say, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think taking drugs is wrong, and for anybody who takes drugs, give them back. <laughs> right, right. Stop taking them. <laughs> you, you, you'd find that you you'd you'd find the same thing, though, funny. You've got your store now, and there'd be girls, you know, groupie, you know, girls yeah, coming yeah, in delicatessen. Yeah. You, yeah, you'd you know, be knocking them back, going, "Hang on, hey, well, I'm married. <laughs> I don't care how much. I don't care how good the soup is. It's not going to happen, babe." Well, you know, I, look, I, I said to my drug dealer, "I said, mate, I'm going to make cabbage rolls. I've got, I've got, I've got sixteen cabbage rolls to, to make. Now, I need something that can keep me up all night rolling the cabbage." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness me. All right, now I want to get to the footy tips. Uh, let's have a look at those. Oh. Uh, you didn't have a good week, Fine. You oh, got five. No. No. Are you right, Brian? I'm getting to you. I this is this is a big show well, for you, Brian. Very well. This is a big show for you tonight, Brian. You're number know, one. You're number one on everything this week. Number I'm one happy. on number one on everything. Finally got finally got five out of uh, out of the tips from the weekend. Um and I got six, so I didn't fare much better. And Brian, number one on the chart of, uh, of picks this week with seven. Well done, Brian. Because you yeah, went, you went, the picks. you went for the Swans. I should. Yep. You know the one you got. You know the silly one you did, which you shouldn't have picked, was Adelaide. I did pick Adelaide. I I thought I might have picked GWS. I couldn't remember, and I knew that I, I figured I'd lost two. But picking three zero to beat Melbourne, I told you. And I've told you it's an all-purple year, mm. and 
here's proof. People would be jumping on the bandwagon about the purple bandwagon, I think. Well, I want to anyway, ask, ask finally. Yeah, no, you've got, you got seven. So uh, current score is, Brian, you're on 58, I'm on 64, and finally is still in front uh, quite comfortably on 67. What do you make of that Melbourne loss? Finally, they had to lose one eventually, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you want to lose one about this time of the year. It almost came to order, but I mean, Frio were good enough to beat them, and they gave them a start even. So, how good are Frio? I think they're limited, but but they're you know it, they are building a team. I think that in the future could be quite good. I I I don't think they've got a strong enough forward line this year to do anything more than annoy people, but yeah. I think the future's bright for them. Yep. Yeah. Of course, Fife could come back and make a big difference. Yep. yep. It, interesting uh, tale of two teams in the same town, isn't it, with Frio and, and the West Coast Eagles. Could the West Coast Eagles stocks be any lower? It's almost as though they're, they're trying to be as, you know, it's like we're bottoming out, let's bottom out properly, you know, so, yeah, good on them, whatever. Well, they've certainly bottomed out. I mean, I, I, I watched bits and pieces of the game, I must admit. I know it was my team playing them, but uh, 100-point wins, I'm sorry, they're not They're not pretty to watch, to be perfectly yep. honest. They're not. They're yeah, not yeah. It's not a contest. It's not It's not exciting. Yes, it's good to yep. see your team win by that much, but it really isn't a great game of football when a side beats another side by 100 points, even if it is your team that's winning. Oh. They're, like a, they're like a fat stripper. <laughs> Not good to watch. <laughs> I'm really just taking it straight to the gutter tonight. I'm grumpy. I'm sorry, fellas. You were number one on the charts right up until then. Now you've just gone <laughs> boom, boom. You've just, <laughs> you've just bottomed out, Mannix. All right, let's get to the tips and do them uh, before we get to this uh, marvellous chart and a couple of other things I want to talk about. Uh, let's have a look at the games. It's a split round, so we only have, uh, what do we got, six games. One, two, three, four. Yeah, only six games this weekend. Buys for Carlton, Essendon, GWS, Port Adelaide, Richmond and St Kilda. So you get the weekend off, finally, from yeah. footy. Uh, my boys are playing the Geelong Cats at Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Uh, I obviously will be tipping the Western Bulldogs to beat the Cats. What do you think, Bry? I don't like the Cats, Kev. I like the Bulldogs. Okay. I don't know whether they'll win, but I'm going to go for them. Fine. The dogs. What's your thoughts on this one, the Cats or the Dogs? Yeah, well, I mean, the Cats are got that dangerous forward line. Cameron's playing well, but I think the Bulldogs, well, the Bulldogs have, have sort of, they've got back into the season, but mainly because the the they, they've had a run of winnable games. So yeah. this will be a good test for them. I'm not convinced about, it, about either side, but I like the doggies with Tim English and the team, so I'll tip the doggies. Yeah, I agree with you there. Adelaide Crows take on the West Coast Eagles. Oh, oh what a shit game this will be. Saturday afternoon at 1.45. Is there a John Wayne film on or something? Fortunately, I'll be on the radio when that's, uh, that's on. Maybe they could do some live chess instead. We just watch somebody play chess. <laughs> it's at Adelaide Oval, uh, so the uh, I, I think the Eagles are just about as bad as I've, I've uh, seen. I'm going to go for the Crows, uh, Brian. Well, I think the Nidri Numbats would probably beat the Eagles, <laughs> so um, I'm going to go for the Crows as well. Thanks, Kev. Finally, what do you reckon? Well, Adelaide will shit at him. Okay. No, there's no need for that language, Finey. <laughs> true, true. Finey, yeah. for f***'s sake, there's kids f***ing <laughs> listening to this show and you come out with shit. That's terrible. 
<laughs> the language from the kids in the background before behind you was worse than finest. Uh Gold Coast Suns, the giant killers take on our North Melbourne. Jeez, this is a great round of footy so far. Um, thank goodness the Bulldogs and the Cats are on Friday night. Uh, Saturday at 4.35, oh, that's up in uh, Darwin as well. Uh, the Gold Coast with their two games up there. So they're playing North Melbourne this week. Uh, everyone going for the Suns? Oh, we love the Suns. You know, the problem with North against St Kilda was that they bloody tried their guts out and they still lost by 50 points. Yeah. They're no good. Yeah, that's, that is sad, isn't it? Um, no, they're no good, mate. No, they're Well, you know, somebody goes to the toilet with constipation, they're working their guts out, and that's what North Melbourne are doing. <laughs> They can work their guts out, but it's all shit. The, the Saturday night game is Melbourne and the Swans at the MCG on Saturday night. That'll be good. That'll actually be a good game. Uh, and I'll go for Melbourne to win this. Finey? I'll go for I'll go for Melbourne. Yep, Melbourne. And Brian, Melbourne and the Swans well, in Melbourne. Interesting you uh, talk about this particular game, Kevin, because it is in the fixture, so naturally you have to. Mm. But you you know that I have long held a, a, a deal that the uh, the Swans are looked after by the umpires. Yep. And that game against Richmond, they should have got a 50-metre penalty at the end of the game, as, as no, I see it. The Prestia no, one? No. You're talking about the Prestia one? Well, he kicked the ball away. It was supposed to be a throw, and he's kicked it into the crowd. No. And then the excuse the excuse was, oh, he didn't hear the siren. Stiff shit. I don't know. I've, I've, no, you, heard, you heard the siren. He kicked it into the crowd because they won the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what was he doing? What's the 50 metre for? It can't be for time wasting because the game's over. The guy's not allowed to play on. It wasn't, I don't think- it wasn't arguing the decision. Yeah, that the rule set. Do you know what the rule states? That no. If it's an obvious free kick, and the umpire believes that the player heard the whistle, then you're not allowed to kick it away. But the umpire has the discretion to say that the player kicked the ball. This is during a game that the player didn't hear the whistle, and he kicked it away, not knowing that it was a free kick. Well, that, that's what happened here. He kicked yep. it away because he thought the game was over. But there's, no, there's no way known he would have done what he did if, if the siren hadn't gone. That was the only reason that he did what he did. Yeah, it was a celebration yeah. of winning the game. Yeah. Common sense I, prevailed. I don't know why he did it, even if he did think they'd won the game. Like, it's like, oh, we've done a good gig. I'll throw my guitar into the audience and let them have it. Uh, no. I, it's not his, yeah, it's well, not his I, football. Look, and look, at least I picked that the Swans would win, and the reason I picked that they would win was because the umpires look after them, I think. They yep. haven't as much this year as they have in other years, but to me that was another incident which was questionable and, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of people think that it should have been 50-metre penalty, a 50-metre yeah, free kick to Richmond. Well, I hang around with Richmond supporters more than I do with Swans <laughs> supporters, so yeah. that, hence my bias. But, um, yeah, so what was the question anyway, Kev? Sydney or Melbourne, who are you tipping? Oh, Melbourne are over. They're burnt out. No, nah, we're going the Swans. You're on the Swans, okay. Swans and the umpires in that, game. in that game, yeah. Richmond kicked the first goal of that game after 15 seconds. Right? Why did it take him so long? 
Well, there you go. So I Richmond think, kicked a goal. I think they should. 15, 15 seconds. They could have done it in 12. Well, they could have. But, you know, Brian Taylor, I like Brian's commentary when he's, when he's focused on commentating. But he meanders and he likes talking a bit of rubbish. So do you know what he said after that goal? He, just, he thinks it's funny, right? He goes, oh, 15 seconds. Well, of course, the world record for the quickest goal in a game is 13 seconds. Now, I don't know why he says something like that. I think that's Why bullshit. would he say that? I, I think it is bullshit a... because, because on a number of occasions there's been a goal kicked before the game starts. Oh, there you go. Oh, hello. Including the famous VFA grand final when Jim Frosty Miller was held against, yep. against Preston and he kicked a goal before the first siren, but I've also seen it at an AF, a VFL game because I went to St Kilda versus South Melbourne with my father. My father wasn't a big football fan, and to back up his opinion of football, before the game started, Kevin Neal clobbered the South Melbourne full forward and there was an all-in brawl. Right. And South Melbourne kicked a goal before the game started. <laughs> Your dad would have been going, so this is, this is the football you love, is it, Mark? Is this what yeah, you want yeah, to go like- and watch every week, is it, Mark? This is it, is it? Is it <laughs> this, is the, this is the skillful sport, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. I said he got him though. Uh, uh, yes, I. Um, I don't know why Brian Taylor says some of the things he says when he does commentary. I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I like, I like when he gets obsessed with something. There's no ball boys here. There's no ball boys. Yes, there is. You just don't know what they, what they yeah. look like. No, it, 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 commentary is at its lowest ebb ever, I think, at the moment. Yet I there said, is some commentators in there who are actually very, very good at just calling the game and they're doing You know doing who I reckon is well. very good? People have a set against him for other reasons. I don't know why, but I reckon James Brayshaw is a very clean, very clear very good commentator. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with that. And as for the, the quickest goal, I think in soccer, somebody kicked a goal in about eight seconds and that's a lot harder to do in soccer than certainly AFL. Yep. Um, on, on James Brayshaw, I think the problem that they've all got themselves into is and they can't get themselves out of very often, is entrenched in this, uh, and I'll go inverted commas, entertainment part of calling and forgetting the calling part of it. And if they just stuck with the calling part of it, most of them are actually very good, whether it's Anthony Hudson, whether it's um, uh, Brian Taylor, whether it's James Brayshaw or Jason Bennett or whoever. They're actually called very well. How about, the, how about, the, how about, the, how about Jaime? What do you think of him? Who? Yeah. Dwayne Russell, he's a robot, he's Jaime. No, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Uh, not a fan of his. He, he, he does come up with some good ones. He, he came up with one of the, my favourite ever. Many, many years ago, just when he started commentating. Um, Brisbane. It's obviously dear to your heart, but you can't remember it. <laughs> no, no, I remember it very well. Brisbane were playing, Brisbane were playing somebody or rather. Now, I can only remember one of the players, but two players went for the ball and Brisbane had a play called Moody. So let's say the players were, the other player was smart. He goes, the balls are bouncing out of bounds there, chased by Moody and smart, which reminds me, I've got to ring my wife after the game. But definitely one of them was Moody. That's not bad. And he had a good one. He had a good one in the St Kilda Adelaide game. Adelaide's got a player called Saligo. Yep. 
and he kicked his first ever goal. And when he kicked it, he goes, Saligo is not a dirty word in Adelaide. Very good. That's so very good. They're, they're obviously prepared, but, you know, he, he can't he, – when they get the programming right, Heinle's not a bad robot. Yeah, okay. Uh, we got two more games to go. Here we go. Hawthorne and Collingwood. This is Sunday afternoon at the MCG. And we go the Pies. I think they looked uh, pretty good the other day and they withheld that final onslaught from Carlton. Uh, I think they're, they're going all right. Uh, Brian? No, I dislike the Pies. Um, and I was disappointed that they lost against Carlton. I think no, they beat the Hawks Carlton. are probably get the. I was disappointed with Carlton. That oh. they, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm speaking to Wahili tonight. Um, but, no, I'm going for the Hawks. I, I think I'll enjoy the game more. And I think the Hawks are better than a lot of people consider. Okay. <laughs> not on last week's effort, they're not. <laughs> I thought pretty ordinary. Um, your thoughts, Fanny, going to go the Pies or the uh, the Hawks? Hawthorne are terrible. Hawthorne are terrible. I don't know how they've won the games they have. Well, the Hawthorne I saw against St Kilda was abysmal. But Collingwood are inconsistent. It's exactly the sort of game that Collingwood should win. Hawthorne might win. Yep. I'll go for I'll go for Hawthorne. Oh, really? Yep. Good on you, Fanny. I don't well remember anything. Uh, you're right about Collingwood. Exactly, Collingwood. No, I can't. I can't because they. They don't have a Ruckman. You can't play without a Ruckman. Now I've got to go for Collingwood. Back to Collingwood. Okay. Oh, oh, is there Ruckman allowed to play this week, Lynch? I think he got it suspended for a week. All right, I'll go for Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Good on you, Fanny. <laughs> right, eh? I'm really certain about that. I've just made uh, Michael Nesmith's mother very rich again, even though she's deceased. Hey, sorry, Because I've had to use the liquid Didn't paper three that. times. Three times my, right. I've had to use Michael Nesmith's mother's Invention. And he's not even around to pick up the cash. And neither is she, so I don't know who's the heir to the throne, but anyway, the heir to the liquid paper. I think think Finey's the heir to the throne, and that's why he keeps changing his mind. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And the final game of the weekend is Sunday afternoon, 5.20. Actually, this will probably be the best 5.20 Sunday afternoon game of the year. It's Fremantle at home to the Brisbane Lions. Well, here's a test for these two teams to... Actually, show what they're worth. I'm going to go. Oh, gee whiz. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions. Uh, Fremantle should have shouldn't have dropped that game to Collingwood at home. I know it was atrocious conditions, but that's not a good sign for me. Brian, what, who what who are the kids in the crash tipping for this one? It's purple all the way. It's um, I think Fremantle can win it this year. I'm not saying they will, but. If I was betting, as I've said before, and I want everybody to remember this, Sydney Kings, Melbourne Storm, Fremantle, and the guy in purple at the Melbourne Cup. Okay. Who do you think will win this one, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fine? I think Brisbane will win it. I'll just put you over here, Brisbane. Okay, Brisbane. Yeah, you sure? Yeah, yeah. You know, do you know and change? Maybe at half time. Okay. Well, give me, send me a text. And we'll, uh, we'll see where we go. So the current standings, Brian on 58, me on 64, and uh, Finey on 67. They are the footy tips. Now, a couple of sad uh, um, uh, passings uh, that happened uh, this week. Ray Liotta, or Ray Liotta, as you should say it, 67. Oh. He died. I, oh, I, 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 yeah, I, I really like him as an actor, or liked him as an great, actor. Great, great voice. Yes. 
terrific voice. Yeah, a lot of and, voiceover, um, a lot of voiceover work in movies, and a lot of um, narration stuff for um, docos. Goodfellas, what a great film! Yeah, well, that's it. Henry Hill and Goodfellas, um, Shoeless Joe Jackson and Field of Dreams with uh, with Kevin Costner, which I thought was terrific. And he's been doing the last three or four years a a cop show thing with uh, with of all people J Lo called Shades of Blue, and he's um, he shows his mad sort of bit in that. So um, yeah, sad. Only sixty seven uh, was on a film shoot in uh, Dominican. Died in his sleep. What did he die from? Did he? Did Alec Baldwin shoot him? Or no, he did not. He died in his sleep. Well, Stop it. <laughs> did Alec Baldwin. Oh, you wouldn't be hiring Alec Baldwin. He's no, likely to shoot you no, while, you will, while uh, you're acting. That's not – that's not – that's under under sort of some sort of – That's under discussion. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's a fact, but <laughs> I tell you what, I don't want to do an acting scene with Alec Baldwin with a gun. I just think it's not worth the risk. And Ray Liotta – Greatly, sadly missed. I really enjoyed his work. He was great in Sin City too. Um, played a horrible person, but a wonderful voice and good fellas. Got to be one of my favourite films. Okay. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Fletcher, who was one half of Depeche Mode or the major half of Depeche Mode, he passed away. Um, I was surprised uh, he was the keyboard player. Um, they've sold over 100 million albums. Actually sold, not not your streaming stuff. This is they they're responsible for the sale of over a hundred million albums. I know just can't get enough. It was a massive song here, but they, I didn't think they were that big here. But um, hundred million albums worldwide tells me that they were a very big act, Depeche Mate. I'm just going to say what a great loss Ray Liotta was. I just can't believe it. Um, Depeche Mode. Oh, uh, my condolences to his family. Right, and Lester Piggott, the great. Uh, English jockey passed away uh, today at the age of eighty-six. Worked with Alec Baldwin, and uh, <laughs> things went as, things went wrong. Brian, I'm going to be quiet for a little Thank while. Thank you, now. Brian. Finally, uh, we you, will. You, you remember the gag? Yes. No, I don't. Oh. So please inform me. Who rode the winner of the 1967 English Derby? <laughs> I don't know. Finally, who? Lester Piggott's cellmate. Thank you, Funny. Um, I don't understand that. Well, Lester, Lester went to prison for tax evasion. Yes. You know, ah. and he wrote that, and he, you know, he won the 1967 English Derby, apparently. And yes. The, the, rest, the, the rest, as they say, is history. history. Yes. Anyway, yep. condolences to Lester Piggott and his family. Oh, to his family, Lester doesn't care. I'm going to be quiet now. Um. We've got the big freeze coming up. I think that'll be on after we'll have another show before the big freeze comes. We've got the State of Origin Rugby League coming up. Now, I, I must admit, I am an unashamed fan of that, and I think this year's going to actually be a pretty good series, so I'm looking forward to that. I think the first game is Tuesday, June the 8th, so that's not that far away now, so looking forward to uh, to watching that. You don't get into the Rugby League State of Origin finally, do you? Oh, look, we, it's just so important that New South Wales wins this year because if they don't, they've got to wait till next year. <laughs> you know, for somebody that's waited 50 years and still 60, you know, 50-odd years, still hasn't seen a premiership now, or, or you follow an English football team that's never won the league or, you know, sport, sporting holy grails, things that really matter are hard to win. 
not a two-horse race that happens three times a year every year. I mean, that they are currently playing that game more often than I'm having sex. So who gives a fuck about the state of origin? <laughs> Well, seeing your footage so succinctly, I'm, I might have gone off it myself now. <laughs> no, I'm very... Yeah, but I do believe apparently New South Wales can't win because Tom Trebojevic isn't playing. Yeah, no, he's not. He's, he's missing out. Uh, uh, Turbo, he's, he's not playing. So, uh, no, quasi-Queenslander. I'm back in there. You'll be, now you're oh. going to get caught up in this, Mannix, being on the Gold Coast. I love it. I love it. And, you know, um, I'm hoping to play with a state of origin sex. But with this, you want it. What's you, that, three you, times you a don't year? Want to, you don't, yeah, well, that would be great. You don't want to win. You want to come second. So that's <laughs> oh. that's my theory. So go no, go Queensland. Um, half the team is full of uh, Melbourne Storm players. And, um, no, I, I, I quite like – I actually understand the rules to NRL better than I do to AFL. AFL, they just keep moving the goalposts and, you know – uh, AFL is just – what happened to kicking the ball along the ground? Just move it out of the pack. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I'm furious. <laughs> I think I think the rules are confusing everybody. And I, don't, I, I mean, I had a conversation with a premiership player yesterday at a, at a lunch uh, function that I did, and he said the same thing. He said, it's frustrating the bejesus out of everybody, but from the fans through to the commentary teams through to the ex-players, everybody involved in the game at the moment – is pissed off with what's happening with the ruling, and and they're not. It's not, and they're all saying the same thing. Don't blame the umpires; they're adjudicating the rules. It's the people who put the rules in who need to take a very good, hard, long look at themselves. Well, do you remember the if you touch the back, that's a push in the back. What oh, the hands in the back rule? Yeah, yeah. What about the tripping? Oh, that was a huge thing at one point. That doesn't matter. Kicking in danger. Oh, that doesn't matter anymore. Throwing the ball, that doesn't matter anymore. Look, you know, if you keep tampering with the rules of a game, you ruin the game. And, you know, and this is the sad part about AFL. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but, you know, when I was a kid, you had to be a tough guy to play football. It was the bullies and stuff that were good at football. Now the AFL just tried to make it available so everybody can play and I'm sorry, not everybody should play AFL. We need tough guys that don't mind getting a bit of bruising um, to come down and play for Essendon. <laughs> How piss weak were Essendon this week? Now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I've been doing a bit of scooping around. You know, I get down at Tullamarine and I scoop around, I get the info. Apparently the players um, had a asked for a meeting with the coaches. And one of the things they said to Blake Carousello said, why are you even here? You don't even come to training. Trucks' game plan is far too complicated. Nobody understands it. And um, as I said, I think the other week, Stanton's the only one that bothers to teach anybody anything. And they all hate him anyway. But no, it's a mess down at Essen. Don't expect them to win another game this year. Sorry, I just had the scoop. Had to let you in on it. <laughs> um, the, the rule, Joe, I mean, you've umpired games, Finey, and, and interpretation in our game is far more uh, available and part of the, the fabric of, of 
the game than it is probably in any other game uh, on the planet. And we've actually yeah. we've actually made that worse rather than make made that better. And I, I for the life of me, I can't understand the logic behind that. You know, that head's in the back rule. I wasn't a fan of it because it relied, I believe, too much on umpire positioning. Yep. But at least it was black and white. Yes. The fact that they're now – look, there is a an overview, an overlay to the rules that really shits me. What's that? And that is that the rule makers and the – Rule massages clearly have one objective, and that is to increase scoring. And it's not for them to increase scoring. So to allow players to push other players in the back and get away with it just because it helps forwards take marks is wrong. And this stand, the, the biggest rubbish is standing on this standing on the mark that lets players run off, and the guy on the mark just now just stands there doing nothing. I mean, the player on the mark should be allowed to react to the play. So here's, here's how it works. Man with whistle, man with ball, man on the mark. The man on the mark cannot move until the man with the whistle lets him. But that's wrong because if he picks up that the player with the ball has got off the mark and played on before the umpire does, he shouldn't be penalised for that. Yep, yep. Why is, why is he going to listen to an intermediary? Man with the ball plays on, man on the mark reacts, and then the umpire can decide whether he went early or not. Yep. Not wait for him because in in waiting for the third party to adjudicate it, it just gives an unfair advantage to the player with the ball, and it's not the way football should be played. It's stupid. What? To help people, to help the score... The score's not being helped by it anyway. Just really get rid of that because it's an embarrassment. Yeah. The 666 thing was supposed to help scoring and that did absolutely jack shit for it. Well, well, the 666 thing is good, but it's so fleeting that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, there's so many stupid things with the freaking game. It's like, you know, you blow the whistle and then you say play on. It's the only game in the world that does that. Yeah. You blow the whistle when we're stopping play. But you can't blow the whistle and say, play on. That's just, it's just stupid. And they keep trying to, as, as Finey said, they're trying to make the game more scorable. Well, have a look at the scores. You're lucky to see a team get 100 points these days. Um, everything the AFL does to the game just decreases its value and it's like, now it's like Vegemite. I feel like an American eating Vegemite. I grew up with AFL, but this ain't the game that I grew up with. It's just bullshit. Okay, there's, yep. there's two ways to improve football. Yeah. One is less teams means the talent drain is, you know, if you divided all the players into 12 teams again, the standard would be very high. Yep. Not going to happen. Uh, but, and the other but, way to improve football is to get rid of teams like North Melbourne and Essendon. Well, I, I totally <laughs> agree with you on that. The, the, the Tasmanian kangaroos sounds pretty good to me. But do you remember when COVID started and, all oh, the football departments had to reduce themselves to 29? How many freaking people do you need to coach a football club? 
you know, it says overcoached, and I'm sure Kevin Sheedy and Tom Hafey would agree with me on that. It's a pretty simple frigging game. And, you know, if it's a big cluster, kick the ball forward. Just kick it off the ground. You know, get it out of the cluster. Maybe one of your mates will get it. But the way we play the game now is just a cluster. I was going to say a cluster frig. Mm, I thought you were. Oh, shit. Oh, it's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, shit. It's just, and Essendon, you know, here's, a, here's another freaking clue for all of the freaking coaches. Like Essendon, they started the game off, they kicked eight straight points. No, they which were resulted eight inaccurate in a goal. Points. Eight inaccurate points, not to mention the out of, uh, out of bounds on the full. This is in the first 15 minutes of the freaking game or 20 minutes of the game. Now, why is it that coaches won't sit, sit there and go, hang on a minute? If we could kick accurately, we might have actually won an extra four or five f-ing games. But no, no, no. We've got sports scientists telling, oh, no, they'll do a hammy if they have 100 shots of goal after training. Well, if they do a hammy, good. Drop them out. But make them <laughs> kick accurately. You're paid $700,000 to kick goals and you're kicking it out on the full. It's a fair joke. It's like going to see Slash and his guitars attitude. It's just not on. All right. No way. Okay, that's it. Done. End of end of end of football discussion. Told you I was grumpy. I know. We're going to move on to something that'll make you happy, Brian. The chart oh, from seventh of June, nineteen eighty-five. Oh, that was a great year. Uh, we know that. Uh, so, finally, please your three uh, best and your three worst. Um, start us with number three, good and bad, please. All right. So this is the mid eighties. Now we can. This is. <laughs> Look, I can look back and say that music was generally, you know, with all the synthesizers and the terrible fashion and the crazy film clips and the, this was the height of, you know, if, if any era you look back at and cringe, it's the 80s. So do we take that into account? It's like saying, you know, it's like going on a blind date with a girl with one leg and then sort of saying, oh, it was a great night, she was lovely, whatever, whatever, yep. But actually, she did have one leg. So so I decided to embrace the fact that at the time this was the music and you enjoyed it. Yep. I'm not saying I love it now. Mm-hmm. So my number three good really embraces the everything about the 80s and it's a song called Obsession by Anna Motion. Okay. Who, who are Anna Motion? They're some American... Band that probably electrocuted themselves playing all this synth pop. <laughs> yes, I mean that that they are now. If you look at them, they're a parody of any band. They're a joke. But obsession is the song of the the song of the times. I would call it. Yep. Yeah, well, I agree. Three, I, I agree. Totally agree with you. That's a very good summation of what that song's about. Number three. You know, in 1981, I, I found this band, Simple Minds, with a song called Love Song, and it was edgy and it was alternative and it was cool. Good song. I love Love Song. And then I went to see them actually at the venue, I think, up in up in the Upper Esplanade. Yep. It was a famous night because Molly was they, – they had like private boxes up, up – it was an old theatre. Yep. 
And I was there with a mate of mine called Rosie, and we were young bucks, 18 years old. And this person came up to us and invited us up to Molly's private box. Well, well, that's the way that we knocked it back, understatement. We knew what was being offered. <laughs> and I'm not going to be anybody's. I'm not going to be anybody's bum boy for a, just for a bit of view. <laughs> Fuck that. Anyhow, but simple minds, absolutely like, just like, exactly like Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran. They they sold the farm and became middle of the road dross. And don't you was the start of the end. So don't you forget about me, bullshit. I forgot about you the minute you started singing it. So simple minds, oh. number three, bad. In bad, wow, that's a that's a big uh, big call for you. I agree with you. Love song, love song, good, really good song. Uh, Brian, would you like to wait till last, or would you like me to go now, or what? What do you want to do? Do you want to jump in now and do your number? Three? I do have a good uh, Jim Kerr story, but uh, mm-hmm. but you know, can you tell what? it? Well, I don't know. Um, apparently, he's got a he's got a nine inch cock, and um, when he came out to do Narara eighty four, um, he hooked up with Chrissy Hind with his nine inch cock. Um, I don't know whether that's true, but that is the word on the street. And you know, well, that's what we're here for, Kev, to give people the mail. So I, I know it's not in the in the. Uh, you know, the excellence of what we want to talk about on the show, but I just felt it was my duty to mention that the civil mind has got a big cock. Yeah, I can't, I'm just I'm just checking talk- the warning at the start of the show. I think I said occasional coarse language, not occasional cock language, but anyway. You uh, sure he's got a huge cock? or <laughs> I think they said he is a huge cock. <laughs> well... <laughs> I agree, and you know... I met him, he's a good fella, actually. He was, he was a bit of fun to have a, a beer with. No, no, I don't know. He seems like a big enough score. Yeah. Just seems like a big cock to me. All right, anyway. do you got your number three, good and bad, Mister Number One on the chart, please. Uh, let's not get into that yet, Kev. I know we uh, will, but I know we will. Oh, we will. I'm running indeed. out of battery. You've got to hurry. Yeah, go so on. So am I. So am I. Um, okay, look, this song isn't the worst song, but I've got a couple of good stories about it. So I'll I'll, I'll say the heat is on number three as the worst one, oh, and Glenn yeah. Fry had to audition to – they had the song and they said and he went – he didn't think he was going to get it, but he got the gig and he sang the song and great. But the reason I pick it is that back in the 80s, me and John Kirk, the bass host of Mexico, went to see an Elvis show at the Darwin Casino. Mm. And Elvis comes out and he sings, the heat is on, on the street. I go, what the hell's going on here? Is Elvis singing The Heat Is On, and the guy finishes the song and goes, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I thought that if Elvis was alive, that's one of the songs he would have sung. Well, what a load of shit that is, you know. <laughs> you know for God's sake. Oh, yeah, he he, he might have done Waterloo by Abba. Why don't you do that as well while you're there, you dickhead. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing because halfway through the show, about 40 people, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I got uh, Brian Mannix and John Kirk behind Kenny. Stand up, guys. And I go, oh, no. And the spotlight comes on us. He goes, here, guys. And so at the end of the show, we sort of figure, well, we better go up and say hello. And he just aired us. He was like, 
yeah, fine, guys. You know, it's like he's just so up himself. <laughs> what a dickhead. So the heat is on. Here's my number three bad. Yeah. And my number three good is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's coming right to me uh, right now. It's um, well, certainly not walking on the Chinese wall. Oh, no, um, it's an awful song. I think um, things can only get better. Howard, Howard Jones. Jones. Yeah, that's yeah. my number three good. Okay. Good. Not a bad song. Not a bad song at all, Howard. Uh, Struggle. Struggling to find a good one in this one, Kevin, apart from number one. Anyway, yeah, off you go. I'm sure. Uh, my number three bad is You're the Inspiration by Chicago. There's nothing wrong with this song. Um Everything about the song ticks a little box. It's you know it's 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 he hits every note. Um, the words all kind of work together. The melody all works. Everything is. There's nothing wrong with this song whatsoever. And there's also nothing about this song that is to be liked by anybody in the universe except maybe Peter Cetera and David Foster who wrote it. It is a piece of crap. Kenny Rogers knocked it back. Um, I love Chicago. One of my favourite bands. Uh, I would think Chicago. If I you know talk about twenty five or six to four and. Does anybody really know what time it is? And uh, and a few of the early stuff, but this was just—it's just a god awful song that sounded like it was trying to be on the soundtrack of some, um, you know, uh, movie of the middle eighties, uh, which he he did get a couple on some soundtracks of the middle eighties. But this is just an awful bloody song. You're the inspiration. Wouldn't inspire anybody to do anything except maybe. Something they would regret later. So that's my number three bad. My number three good um, is "We Close Our Eyes" by Go West. I like Go West. Good pop song. Just you know, didn't didn't change the world. Didn't do anything spectacular. But when it comes on, you go, yeah, here we go. We close our eyes. I quite like it. So that uh, that's my number three good. I can put up with that one. Yeah, too. I like I liked King of Wishful Thinking. I like. We close our eyes. I think Go West, we're okay. And they're still yeah. still knocking around doing gigs with uh, our mate Kim Wilde uh, in, in England at the moment on some shows. Finally, number two. Well, my number two bad, look, I, I, I mean, I, I really was going to put Marilyn in there, but then I listened to Marilyn, and even though the film clip was confusing because he was a boy with a girl and a girl with a boy, and I didn't know <laughs> what he was in the end. But actually, if you listen to Marilyn, Marilyn's got a great voice. Yes. Now, yeah. So, Marilyn, you're not in the bad. Given all the synthesizers and all the electronica, this dickhead Steve Tintin Duffy, <laughs> he's feeding him the worst singer of all time. He just can't sing. I don't know what he's doing releasing a song. It's called Kiss Me. Well, yes. I'm not going to kiss you, mate, but fuck you, because <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say it to you because you can't uh, sing and you shouldn't have been in any charts. Okay. Here, here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, now I have said this before, and I said this to Brian. This is my number two good. Now I said this to Brian many times months ago when I was, came across Fifty Years. I, you know, easily uh, by far my favourite song of the Uncanny X Men, and actually a really good song. Now this is a really good song, and I listened to it again. And I bloody like it, and. So I asked myself, all right, if I wasn't doing a podcast with Brian, would I put it in at number two? And the answer, honestly, is yes. There you go. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a highly underrated song. It should be the, what you're known for, not not that working, what's the other song? Yeah. 
everybody's it got to work. That to me is a more a novelty song. You should be known for this, or at least the girl who sings it, because it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is quite, it's quite, it's well so played, much, well played. <laughs> but this was what you should be known for, and it's beautiful. Who wrote it? I did. Um, I wrote everything except the the bridge, like I say, say to you, but yeah, I wrote everything else. Um, it's actually a very, it, it's, it's it, a it deserves very, it deserves a better singer than me. It's a really know? good song. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a good enough singer to do it true justice. It's um, yeah, but thank you, Fanny. I really appreciate that. Don't let that don't let Keith Urban get his hands on it. He'd love a song like that. <laughs> no, I, I I'd like to hear Tina Arena or yeah, um, Casey Casey Chambers do it because um, it's it's a good it's a good idea. And that's that it's a really good to... song. Yeah, I thank and, you, Fawn. I appreciate that, that. You know, you sort of think you hear it, you think that's nice, and then when it rolls into the chorus, you think, "Oh, that's good." No, it's good. Yep. No wise words no, from Mark Fine. Wise words from Mark Fine, uh, Mr. Mannix. What's your number two? Good and bad to follow up on oh. uh, Glenn Fry well, and Howard uh, Jones. My number two. Good is going to be no surprise to anybody because he's the kind of front man that's a bit sort of in my school. Not the greatest singer, but God, he's entertaining. Um, well, you know, put, put tickets on myself. I shouldn't do that. But uh, David Lee Roth's version of Just a Gigolo, you know, it's a perfect lyric and it's for him to put on a great performance. And, um, no, I think it's um, – yeah, you know, like there's not a lot of great songs in this apart from number one. And um, so I'm putting Just a Jigglo in there as my number. Um, too good. Too good. Yep. And now my number too bad. There's so much to choose from, Kev. Mm, there um, is. Oh, it's just, you know, it, it's all fantastic. Um, I'm going to go for. Uh, Take it back by the Puka makes three. I don't. I don't know what the song's like, but it's you awful. call yourself the Puka makes three. You are shit. So people can check that out for themselves. Yep. Take P- it back. The, the Puka. The Puka's from a, a, a Celtic uh, fairy tale, I believe. That's the character in a Celtic fairy tale, and that was just one of those little kind of you know. Take it back. Is really you know. Well, they can take it right back to the recording studio and start again as far as Instantly I'm forgettable um, a little three minutes of, of pop uh, infamy there. Um, my number two bad is going to be, oh, We Are The World. I'm sorry. I just. Yay. Um, uh, I know it. I know good cause and, you know, noble and all those, all those things that we know about what it was, but, oh. I don't like those things. I never have. Um, the communal sing where everyone does a line and everyone looks at each other and they're, you know, uh, before they walked in the studio, they were stabbing each other in the back. Now they're all friends and they're all doing it. And they're just, nah, don't work for me. And my number two, good. Yes. Sorry, so just, in, just interject with that. Interesting that um, the English version was called, related there, so it was called Feed the World. Then the Americans said, sort of, "Oh, we better get involved in this," and they said, "We are the world." Yeah. Yes. yes. Egotistical shit from the yanks. Yes. Sorry. It, it is. It is a sort of um, uh, juxtapositioning of uh, the difference in the uh, in the two cultures when you look at it that way. Um, my number two good has already been mentioned. Um, 
because I and I like it, and for all the same reasons I like um, uh, Go West. Um, we close our eyes. Glenn Fry's "The Heat Is On" is just a good little pop song. Works in the movie. Uh, loved it in the film. Quite like it as a as a song on its own. O- I always like Glenn Fry's stuff in the in the Eagles. Probably more than Henley's in the early days. So I'm I'm going with "The Heat Is On" for my number two uh, in the good. Now, Mister Fine. We come to you for your number one. At number three in the bad is Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, followed by Kiss Me by Stephen Tintin Duffy. And your goods at number three is Obsession by Animation. And number two is 50 Years by Brian Tintin Mannix. What have you got at number one? I was going to say Tin Ass Mannix, but I forgot. Number Ah. one, good. Yeah. I'm going to go back to 1985. What song did I like then? Mm -hmm. I still actually like it. In fact, the only bad part of this song is the chorus, but every other bit of it's good. If you want a song that jumps out of the radio at you, this is the one. So it's You Spin Me Round by Dead or Alive. Oh, right. Yeah, and it comes nice. thundering out of the radio. Um, and, you know, look, I, I prefer dancing to – it's a bit of a dance. It's got a bit of a – still a dance. It, it's got a bit of life about it still. On the dance floor. So, yeah, you spin me round, number one, good. Can you tell me about that bloke's eye patch? Because he had it on in half the clip, and the other half of the clip he doesn't have it on, and I'm completely confused. Pete Burns? Yeah. Well, you know Pete Burns, the first ever great footballer was Pete Burns. He was a champion for Geelong. Do you know the Pete Burns story? It's very interesting. No, I don't. Uh, Pete Burns played prior to the, you know, in the VFA. He was a superstar, absolute first superstar of football. And he played for Geelong, and Essendon went to recruit him. That'd be right. And they wanted him in the, for the eighteen ninety six season, the last year of the VFA. I think and we're he still after Geelong. <laughs> he, he arrived from Geelong at, at Spencer Street Station, or whatever the main station was, and South Melbourne had sent down a coterie of their committee, members of their committee, and told him that they were Essendon and put him on a train to South Melbourne. <laughs> and he was training with South Melbourne before he realised this wasn't Essendon, <laughs> and he signed with them. Oh, but good South God. Melbourne, South Melbourne played Geelong in 1896 in a game known as the Pete Burns game. Do you know how many – it was at the South Melbourne Cricket Ground, later to be the Lakeside Oval. Oh, yeah. Now, the population of Melbourne at that time was around half a million people, right? Yeah. They see it at the gra- at the game that they couldn't accommodate the people that wanted to go. They said that there were fifty thousand at the game. Good God! And another fifty thousand that couldn't get in, which meant one in five Melbournians tried to go to that game. Good God! Jeez! There you go. That's amazing. Anyhow. Now, he's the one with the well, eye patch in, in Dead or Alive. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Yeah, yeah. No, good story. Good story. All right, uh, number one, bad. All right, this is offensive, 15 ways to breakfast. It's <laughs> Brian mentioned walking on the Chinese wall. All right, walking on the Chinese wall, part one. First of all, it's not called the Chinese wall. It's called the fucking Great Wall of China, you idiot. <laughs> it's called it's the Chinese wall. It's got a name, moron. <laughs> the guy singing it is Phil Bailey, which surely is the name of the guy that does traffic on 3MP. <laughs> um. The film clip is so offensive. It, 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 
shows this sort of wise old Chinaman playing with coins. You have a very lovely voice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the, the guy throwing the coins, they're not coins. They look like washers or or tokens for a a laundrette. Um, Thank God Phil Bailey's black because a white man would have never got away with this film clip. Um, but the best part of the film clip is that there's a recurring theme in the film clip that the wise old Chinese man on sand is putting together a jigsaw puzzle. And at the very end of the film clip, do you know what the jigsaw puzzle is? I didn't watch the no, end like of the clip. It's like a promo headshot Phil Bailey. No. Is it really? Oh, God. Yeah, oh. it's just Phil Bailey's profile. Oh, ancient Chinese wisdom. <laughs> it's Phil Bailey. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what I you know what I gave this song walking on what what number was it at? Uh, I've got it here on my list. Walking on Chinese Wall was number thirty three. What steak and almonds? <laughs> no, sorry, no, I got it wrong. Thirty five, thirty five. 35, as I thought, sweet and sour fish, the worst <laughs> fish on the menu. <laughs> uh, beautifully done. Uh, and it is a dreadful, dreadful song. Right now, number one good, Brian. Gee, I wonder, I wonder what Brian's going to have for the number one good from the 7th of June, well, 1985. Let, let, let me just uh, clear that Chicago song. That Chicago just song a little, didn't mention. A, a little bit of information. Uh, uh, Finally, talks about walking on the Chinese wall. Now, you might remember a historical moment, and I think about 1987, when Ronald Reagan said, Mr Gorbachev, tear down this wall, and they opened up Germany. Well, that was so successful that he went over to China and he said, Mr Xi Jinping, tear down this wall. Didn't go as well. So, um, yeah, I thought that was funny, but obviously it's not. Right. Um, okay. Um, now, Leo Speedwagon, I had their producer produce our second album. That went well. Um, no sense of humour. And, um, yeah, I can't fight this feeling anymore. Well, don't fight it. Just piss off. <laughs> so, uh, Leo Speedwagon, got to be, what a great bland. REO they Speedwagon, are. they're called. REO, yeah, well, they can, I, I normally use another word to yes, describe Yes, I'm them, sure you do. No, they, they're just – it's yacht rock. It's shitful. No, it's and not. No, that's not fair. It's not yacht rock. It, it's dinghy rock. It, it's shit. It's – it's, it's <laughs> it, the yacht rock people would seriously pick these blokes up and throw them overboard. They're that bad. Right. Well, okay. Well, that's my number one bad. Yep. And I'm my number you. one good oh, is – what might that be, is, right? It's Kids in the Kitchen, um, <laughs> something that you said, oh, hang on a minute, let's have a look at what's at number one. Oh. Oh, I'm not familiar with this, but it's obviously very, very, very good. It's called S-O, it S.O. Years, S.O. Years by the Uncanny X-Men. It does look like S.O. Years, it's, but actually, Kev, I, I don't know, I've spoken to the writer, and he believes oh. it's 50 years. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's probably it's only number one, not number naught. Mm. Um, but 50 years by the Uncanny X-Men, uh, look, there are probably much better uh, performances than this, but I think this is a, um, probably, yeah, it's funny. I think it's probably one of the most intelligent songs I wrote, um, even though 
writing a song like Everybody Wants to Work, it's it's cheap, it's like turning Japanese, but it's hard to write those songs. 50 years I found pretty easy to write, but it's got to be my number one and um, it's still serving me well. All of these, you know, 35, 40 years later, Author. I'm still making a dollar out of it. Author. So, so thank you, 50 years. No, it's a good song. I agree with Finey. It's a good song. It, uh, you should be very proud of it. I, I would be... I'd be telling the bloody world about it every five seconds if I'd have written something uh, as good as that, to be quite honest. I wish I wish Farnham or Casey Chambers or somebody would sing it and do a better version because I just – there are so many better singers and the song you know, deserves you know better than me. It? You know it would be great if James what? Ray could sing it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're I'd evil have... sometimes, fine. You are oh, fair to come I... evil. <laughs> I would rather have Warwick Kappa sing it. <laughs> uh, can you yeah. imagine Warwick doing it? Where will we be in how many? What? How many? Where F- will we be? Fifteen. In- <laughs> 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 oh, goodness me. Now, Brian, if I uh, if I was to put another song apart from your song at number one uh, in the good pile, it would be Don't feel obliged. No, no. If I was to put another song there, I said last week that you know. Beaten in a in a sort of coin toss, live it up by metal as anything, and we will together by Eurogliders are two really really good songs that I I, I love listening to, um, and uh, thoroughly still enjoy to this day. And that's a nineteen eighty five is a long time ago now. So if I didn't have you at number one, Brian, I would probably have one of those two songs sitting in my in my top three. And my number one bad, you just uh, said it, and I just said that it's dingy rock. It's not yacht rock. Ario Speedwagon, that song is just a heap of shit. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> just a heap of shit. But it's lovely to have uh, to to have discovered. The chart where fifty years was was number one. Do you know? And I'm not being a smart ass. Do you know? Uh, did you stay at number one for how many weeks, or was this it? Uh, no, I think we were there for about three weeks. I okay. think um, at, at one point in um, Queensland, and the festival records guys to call themselves the Mean Machine, <laughs> and and I've got this chart somewhere at home where fifty years is the number one single, and the num and Cosmos Earth is the number one album. Oh, yeah, no, that's about three weeks later. That's the FM 104 chart in Brisbane. Yeah, and, you know, um, what a what a wonderful achievement, you yeah. know. Well, you know and, you know, and I say that in that, you know, to have a hit record, you've got to have the radio station, you've got to have the, the record people. You know, a hit record is it's a, it's a team effort. Yep. And, you know, and, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, you kind of, the band gets the glory, but... It's thing. So, well done to all of the teams that helped. You know, like you know, fifty years wasn't the turd that they tried to polish. It was a good song, and, <laughs> but but they, um, you know, I, I really have great respect for Michelle Higgins and Mushroom Records and Festival Records and all yeah. the people that that pushed it and you know made it happen. Um, without them. Probably nobody would have heard it. So. Well, fittingly, we're going to finish with uh, with that uh, this week. So, uh, Finey's uh, run out of battery, so he's gone. So, uh, we're going to go as well and leave you with uh, 50 years. Uh, look after yourself during the week, and we'll we'll talk again next time on, on Rock and Roll. But we'll leave you with the number one song from the 7th of June, 1985. It is Our Boy Brian and the Uncanny X-Men. See you, Brian. Thank you, Kev, and... Uh 
Yeah, I, I was quite grumpy at the start of the show, but I feel far happier now after spending some time with you and finally. So thank you very much and uh, thank you to our listeners for supporting us. It's nearly time we were leaving. We'll have one more for the road. Shem!